James chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Well, hey, church, uh, good to see you uh, this morning. A little bit of a different setup uh, from our bedroom where Cohen and I are quarantined. I just want to say thank you very much for all your prayers and for your kind thoughts and your words and all the care packages that you've dropped off. It really does mean a lot. I'm just really so encouraged as a pastor to, to feel the uh, intercessory prayers on behalf of all of you uh, that you've been sending up to God that Honestly, this morning, uh, I really do think it's a miracle uh, as I'm still recovering, uh, but I'm standing uh, and able to uh, deliver this message and to be before you that it truly shows the power of prayer and the power of what you're doing as a church, as the spirit uh, is filling, uh, filling, filling you. And uh, even with everything going on, uh, I really felt like I had to be here with you this morning uh, to share this message and to continue proclaiming the word. Uh, because many people have, have, have asked, hey, Doug, maybe it's okay for you to take a break uh, this, this morning. And yes, I, I could have, I guess, taken a break. But through my prayer and discernment, uh, that I really felt like I still had a word to give uh, for you and for all of us this morning. And that uh, with the breath in my lungs, uh, that this is worth uh, using uh, the breath in my lungs. Uh, the gospel is always worth proclaiming and always worth uh, preaching. And, and to be quite honest with you, it was quite, quite a, for those of you that are tuning in, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's been quite a week uh, for our family. Uh, last Sunday, Monday, Cohen had a mild fever and he had body aches and a headache and uh, he just kind of slept it off. He gave him Tylenol and he was kind of in and out and it was, it was pretty mild. And uh, Jess being a nurse, uh, she was like, well, this is kind of strange that he would 
all of a sudden have a fever. So let's get him tested on Tuesday. Uh, the results came back pretty uh, quickly Tuesday night that he was positive uh, with COVID-19. So even after the test, we started separating everyone and, um, you know, having quarantining ourselves and isolating ourselves in, in our apartment. But when we found out about the news, uh, that's when we really isolated him, our six-year-old, uh, into his room and, and, and whatnot. And he, he was pretty upset, but uh, he's understanding of the situation. Uh, and then Tuesday night, when we were doing all of that, I started feeling symptoms. And I thought, well, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something I don't really know. But the fact that I have at least one of the symptoms with the mild cough, um, that we should be going in as the provincial health called us and said, that's what you should be doing because you're living with someone that's positive. Uh, so then Wednesday morning, uh, I went to get tested and then Jess went to get tested as well after me. And I'm thankful because at least uh, I'm thankful because I didn't need to do the nose swab. Uh, but I can do the uh, swish and gargle uh, through my mouth. So that saved me some of the pain. I know some of you have gone through that and it's quite painful through the nose. So I, that's God's grace for me uh, that I was able to uh, go through that. Um, but Jess got her, her results back uh, Wednesday night that she's negative, uh, thank God. And so she's been taking care of Ryan. And to be honest with you, that Wednesday night, as I was, as I was waiting to, to get the results, as I was waiting to to see what God uh, is going to say to me and to teach me through that. Sorry about that. Something dropped. <laughs> but uh, that was the longest night that, that I've had in, in a very long time. I was waiting for the text message. I'm like, hey, how come Jess got her results back, even though she tested after me? Like, what's going on here? Do there good news or is not so good news? Uh, so I waited. And that night, I couldn't really sleep because we're all isolated already. And I was sleeping on, you know, on some mattress on the floor. Um, but I was waiting and waiting. I couldn't really sleep that night. And I was waiting for that news at that text message. And that came uh, midday on Thursday uh, that, that I was positive uh, with COVID-19. And, and to be quite honest with you, when I, when I got, got, got that message, I was still in shock because I was thinking, well, maybe it's just a cold that I'm having as a flu. We've been doing everything as perfectly as we thought we can. Uh, we're started, my mind started racing, thinking, what is it that I've done? Uh, where is it that we went? Where exactly, the, you know, that we contract the virus and uh, they're still trying to trace. Um, they're pretty sure I got it from Cohen because of the timeline, but they're still trying to trace and see uh, where exactly it is that, that Cohen uh, got it from. But it just kind of shows me and maybe for all of us here, the word that you can do everything perfectly. You can think everything is under control. You have your life in, in the palm of your hands that is under your strength. And just like that, everything's kind of taken out of your, your hands. Uh, I, I was, running by myself on Monday, uh, out for a run all by myself, uh, not around anyone, but I was able to run 15K uh, that day as part of my training. And then two days later, I'm bedridden, uh, lying there kind of gasping for air uh, and just thinking how, how, how things have turned so, so quickly. And I can't imagine what it's like for the elderly, for those that have an underlying condition uh, how much suffering and pain that they're going through. And my hearts and my prayers are going out to those on the front line that see this every day, that expose themselves to this every day, whether you're in the hospital or whether you're, you're, you're working the grocery store and you're just out in the public, wherever it is, that it just takes something so simple, just a slight uh, slip of the hand or what, I, or what have you. Um, and, and something like this, uh, something like this could, could, could happen. And, and to be, uh, quite frank, when I was going into, 
the testing site. I'm not sure where my heart was at the moment because I was lining up and it, it was a short line. And so I was thankful for that as well. But I was thinking, is this really happening? Like, you know, do I, everything I've seen on the news, uh, all, all the, uh, all, all the reports that I've seen, is this really going to be happening to me? And after I, I took the test, which by the way, was on my birthday. Uh, so that was my birthday present to myself, uh, taking myself to the COVID uh, testing site, at least, uh, the person testing me or greeting me is said on behalf of our COVID testing center, we want to wish you a very happy birthday. Now open your mouth. I'm going to pour this into your mouth now. Uh, but uh, I was just thinking, like, well, my mind kind of went everywhere. My heart went everywhere. I was thinking, what if I'm tested positive? Uh, what does that mean for my family? What does that mean for Jess? What does that mean for Ryan? What does that mean? Uh, knowing that even though I'm young and I'm healthy, uh, what does that mean? What if something happens um, and there was no moment where i really doubted uh, my health even though there were points where i'm like this is um surprisingly bad uh, for, for me uh, but i was thinking like like what 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 if like what if something does happen in that moment and i was just just thinking about that and just trying to discern and to decide uh, what that's going to going to be like and i was thinking to myself how fragile and how weak our lives really really are and did I seek med medical help? Yes. You know, I, I phoned up my family doctor just to, to check in and be like, hey, if it gets worse, this is what you should be doing. If I, I, I checked, they phoned me online and they checked in on me to see what's going on. But here's the thing. Physically, I felt taken care of. Uh, and, but emotionally and spiritually and in my soul, who was going to look after that? Uh, what, what was going to, uh, who's going to take care of what's going on in here with all of the thoughts that I had? Uh, all, all that, everything that I was wrestling with, because what it really came down to was a battle for my soul. It was a battle for my heart. It was a battle for, for what's going on that's raging on inside of me as I was leaving that testing site thinking, God, what are you trying to say here? What is happening? Uh, what, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? And it reminded me in Ephesians 6.12 for our struggle is what? It's not against flesh and blood, even though our flesh and blood is very real. And our bodies are very real, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly realm. That I'm here to say, and I think the word for us this morning is that watch out for your heart, watch out for your soul, watch, guard what's most important. Because when the soul and the heart goes, so does everything else. Because I'm not sure how else I will be enduring through this time, because I was pretty down and out on January 13th on my birthday. I was thinking, woe to me, I have to go get tested. Like what kind of birthday is this? I was, well, feeling pretty fatigued for one thing, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, this is pretty terrible. Like this is, this is it. Uh, but God was reminding me, God, like Doug, where is your soul right now? Where is your heart? What are you looking to? Though your body may be failing and fading and you're definitely feeling the effects though, this is ter totally a terrible situation. Where is your heart? Because you have people looking after you physically you have people looking after you uh, by, by, by providing for you all these ways. But God was saying, I'm going to provide for you in your soul. I'm going to feed your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of your core of what's most uh, important. And as I continue on with our series and in, in this series called Authentic, the Marks of a Biblical Community, I, I just, that, that's what I want to tell us this morning is to guard our heart. That that's where unity uh, in our church really starts that we've been highlighting some of the one and other passages in scripture. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about love and the importance of love, loving God and loving others. And, and today, as we start talking about 
unity it really begins with with us it begins with what's going on inside of us because i'm not sure if you know this as we read in james which simon just read for us that there is a battle for your heart there's a battle for your heart which leads to a battle with god which then leads to a battle with other people so disunity and brokenness in the church in that way doesn't start with that conflict or whatever it is that's going on, but it starts with this battle that all of us have with God, which then goes traces all the way back this battle that's happening inside of our heart. That all it takes is a moment like this where I'm going through a testing center. I received a text message. I'm positive COVID-19 and there's that battle begins. God, can I really trust you? God, do you really know what's going on? God, why would you let this happen to your servant, to someone that's trying to follow you faithfully? And you're hearing this, you're saying, well, Doug, aren't you a pastor and your faith is strong, but I'm also telling you this morning that I'm human and that I wrestle with these moments too, that it's just so easy for something like that to take over and to seep in for the devil just to have a little crack in, a little moment to have a foothold into, into my, my life, into our lives. And today, what Simon just read, there's one key passage there in verse 11, where it says one another, and it says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. This word for slander is made from the Greek word kata laleo, which is broken down into two words, kata meaning down or through, and laleo meaning to speak. So when you slander someone, you're speaking through someone, you're speaking down someone. So you're, you're, you're speaking in a degrading way. And he ends with this section in verse 11. They're saying, do not slander one another. But what I really want to focus on more is all the things that he said just before that. Because how do we get to that point in our church where we can have these authentic relationships with this true unity with one another? How do we have unity in the church? When there's a group of people uh, that really builds up the church, where is it that God really uh, uh, God is really working. Where is it the devil is going to attack? See, Satan knows that, that Satan can't get at God because God is way too strong and too powerful. So what does he do? He tries to get at his people. He tries to get into their hearts. He tries to ruin them. If I can't disturb the physical building, if I can't affect God, then I'm sure it's gonna, I'm going to raise hell, all that I can do in causing havoc in the hearts of his people. And that's where Satan exactly attacks. And that's where he gets at the way satan wants to take down his church god's church isn't by taking out its ministries its programs or its physical building the devil is smart enough not to take on god himself so what does he do the devil goes after all those things by trying to take out god's people one by one one by one but every single sunday and whenever we open the word and as christians we demand in our soul every single day when we do devotions as we worship as we read the word as we fellowship we're saying and telling the devil not today that you're not going to have a foothold in my heart that you're not going to get a hold of me because i belong to the king of kings and the lord of lords and that's the one that i follow and he's the one that i get my strength from but he starts here and james warns us by pulling at our desires our war with God starts with a war within ourselves. In order to have a united church, God needs and yearns for a united people. And this unity starts with a unity in our hearts of understanding our relationship with God. And our desires cause us fights. There's a battle raging on inside of us all the time. James 4, 1 to 3 
says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What we're really reading here is that the wars in our hearts is causing wars in other parts. That there's other, all the conflict that's going on in our lives that we're facing, even though you might not be the one causing it, it all starts within the heart. It starts within the core of who we are. It could be parts of your family. It could be at work. It could be in our church. It could be in other parts of our country and around the world, whatever, between countries. It could be whatever it is, but it starts within the heart. And these desires, whatever causes, is our understanding of it, whatever causes us pleasure and enjoyment. So desires in themselves aren't positive or negative. There's just whatever causes us pleasure and enjoyment. But it all depends on what kind of uh, desires uh, it is that we have. And there's biblical examples, many actually, of, of, of selfish desires. Desires that aim to only glorify themselves and desires that we have, that I have, that I aim to glorify myself. We think biblically of Abraham and his wife. You remember that in Genesis 12 where he tells Pharaoh that this, is a, this isn't my wife, but this is my sister because he doesn't want to get killed. He doesn't want Pharaoh to kill him in, in order to take his wife. So he's like, hey, Sarai, like, can you go and say that you're my sister so, then you, uh, so that I can live? Uh, that, that's a selfish desire right there. Or we read in Joshua 7 how Achan, he took the loot uh, after uh, the Israelites conquered Jericho. Even though God said you're not supposed to take anything, he took the loot. And that led to Israel, Israelites' defeat afterwards because of this selfish ambition, this selfish desire. Or you think of James and John asking Jesus, who is it? Like who, who can sit on the left and right of you in Mark chapter 10? And this caused a rift within uh, the disciples uh, themselves. See, our selfish desires, they don't just affect us, but they affect other people around us. Wars within us causes wars outside of us. And the devil is after your heart. He's after your heart and your soul and trying to disrupt the rhythms that's going on in there. And this also means that we can't naturally assume that our desires are coming from a good place. We went through the letter to the Romans and we saw that our hearts are, 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 aren't in the right place, that are, we are born broken and sinful and apart from God. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is what? Deceitful above all things. So we have to understand that we can't naturally trust and think that our desires, however right they might feel, are actually right. There's also such a thing as uh, wrong praying here that James talks about. He says, when you ask, you, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And I find that fascinating because we can pray uh, wrong prayers. Uh, prayer is not for our will to come on earth, but prayer is actually for God's will to come on earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Your kingdom come. His kingdom come, not my kingdom come as I want it. So here he warns us that out of these desires, we can check our desires by the way that we're praying, by the ways that we're calling out to God, by the ways that we're crying out to him. Then what's fascinating is that from this war within, he leads to this war towards God. So there's this war raging on inside of us 
and you might be struggling, you might be feeling that tension right now and whatever decisions you need to make in the every single day, maybe from when you wake up and when you sleep at night, there's something in your heart that's going on and you feel this war that's going, going on inside of you. And if we don't check that, if we don't leave that towards God, if we don't submit that before God, it leads to this war with God. And God isn't our enemy. God is our friend. God is our, our Lord. He's our King. He's our Savior. He's on our side. But often, when, whenever there's a war inside of us, we often uh, separate ourselves from God. There's a saying that Justin and I often use in our, our, in our marriage that we were taught a long time ago that we're not each other's enemies. And if you're in our marriage prep that we do, that's often what we talk about, that in marriage, that when we talk to each other, often in fights and in quarrels, we think that each other, like we're, our, we're the enemy. But we're not each other's enemies. We're on the same side trying to fight the same battle. But when there's these selfish desires and ambitions inside of us, we tend to think that the other person is the enemy. And in this case, when there's this war going on inside of us, like I was having with COVID-19, uh, it's often easy to, to, to say, God, you're the enemy here. You're the one that's not fulfilling her duty. So James chapter 4, verses 4 to 10, we learn of the three enemies of God. I'm going to go over it pretty quickly here. We learn in James 4, 4 that the world is the enemy of God. Verse 4, you're adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So like any friendship, it starts off small, right? With some small, small talk, with that first meetup, with something simple. Then it progresses to something deeper until you're so deep into it that you're hanging out with each other all the, all the time. And maybe it's being noticed for you from things of the world that you notice uh, for something for the first time and you like that attention. And then it progresses to fall on approval because you're not getting it anywhere else. You're not sensing it from God and your identity with him. So you chase after these things and the world saying you're doing a good job. And before you know it, you're slowly going down this very slippery slope away from, from God. And it's serious business here. In fact, that James uses the word, you adulterous people that we're not committing maybe physical adultery, but we're committing spiritual adultery when we make friends with the world, because we're giving a devil a foothold. We're giving a way for him to grip our our, our hearts that when we are becoming friends of the world and we're not talking about not being friendly or, or, or being loving to people around that do not know Jesus, but there's an aspect of things of the world that, that do not please God uh, that are separate from God, that when we become connected and, 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 and together with those things that becomes a spiritual adultery in the old Testament, it's all full of that example or what it looks like to have the spiritual adultery which is also known as idolatry, that we, we, we uplift these other relationships and things and jobs and people uh, other than, than God. And we go down this very slippery slope. So we learn that the world is enemies with, with God. And secondly, in James 4, 5, it's the flesh. That's the enemy of God. James 4, 5, or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? So our physical bodies, and you sense this every single day, or at least I do, that our physical bodies want to do one thing, but the spirit within us wants to do another. That the spirit here, we, we learn that the spirit, the Holy Spirit yearns and is jealously longs to fill us, to direct us, to fill our hearts because he knows that's what we need. Not anything physical, not anything that's out there. What's most important is our heart because out of our heart, everything else flows. 
So whenever we choose to live and gratify the desires of the flesh, it mourns the Holy Spirit. It mourns the heart of, of God because he's in us. He's saying, hey, watch it. I'm here for you. I'm here to guard your heart. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to take on your burdens, but you're following and chase after all these things. So we see that the flesh, it's the second enemy of God that, that we see that pulls us away from God instead of bringing us closer. And thirdly, which seems the most obvious one, is the devil. In James 4, 6-7, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the devil is on the prowl. And in, in, rest of, uh, in other parts of 1 Peter, it gives us the image that the, that, that the devil is like a lion that's ready to, to pounce uh, on us at, at any, any time, at any moment, that when we lose our guard, that's when he comes and seeps into our heart and steals us away. But we're reminded here that God gives us grace. Uh, that, and the way that the devil attacks is by giving us pride, by thinking we can do it all, by thinking that we're all sufficient, by thinking that we have everything put together. But for me, I was put back into my seat simply from this virus that has come into my body in the ways that I thought I could take care of myself, but now I can't even leave the room. And, and the most moments where I just had to lie down, I couldn't even stand up for, for that long without feeling the effects of it, where now we're, uh, our, our, Jess and Ryan or other side of this door that we have here that we can't, I can't even hold on to, to my daughter because of something like this, like something, things that we take for granted can be taken away so easily simply because we think that we have control over it all. And that's the thing. That's what the devil wants to get at. He wants to build up this pride inside of us to think that we don't need God, that everything we have is because of our own works. But here we're reminded it's because of God's grace that we depend on him that he is the one that we look to. So what is the solution to all of this? And James lays it out so simply for us. The first thing is that we overcome all of these by submitting to God. It sounds so easy. We overcome all of this. In verse 7, we read that we submit ourselves then to God. After all these struggles, after all these enemies of God, the right thing to do is to submit ourselves to God. It's not because... Here's the thing. It's not because we don't submit ourselves to God. And then here we see that when we, as we resist the devil, he will flee from you. The thing is, he's not fleeing from you because he's scared of you. When we submit ourselves to God, he knows who reigns in our hearts. And who reigns in our hearts, that's who he fears. Satan fears God because God reigns, because God is superior, because Satan knows that God is, uh, is, is reigning over all creation, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that nothing can overpower him, and that is who Satan is fleeing from. But if we don't have that God in our hearts, then we're left vulnerable, we're left open, we're left out there just for him to come and to pounce on us like, like, like a lion. So when we declare Jesus to be our King and our Lord, something spiritual does happen inside of us that guards us. And as we submit to God, we overcome by drawing near to him as well. A submission isn't enough, but we need to take an active step of coming towards God. And it says here in verse eight, come near to God and he'll come near to you. I ask the question, why? 
well, why is it that when I come near to, to, to God, he'll come near to me? Why does he come near to me? And then, and then I'll come near to him. Well, here's the thing. God never forces himself upon you. It's a choice that we have. So when we take that step, deliberate step of saying, God, you're my king, you're my Lord, you're the one I'm going to follow. He's saying, okay, now I know where your allegiance is. Now I know who you follow. Now I know who you're breathing for, who you're living for, because I'm not going to force myself upon you. I'm going to let you make that decision. And thirdly, how else do we overcome? First is by submission. Second is by drawing near to God. Thirdly, we overcome by being humble. In verse 10, humble yourselves therefore uh, before the Lord and he will lift you up. And a simple thing I want to note here is that it's possible to act humbly on the outside, but not really be humble on the inside. So what James is really saying here is that humble yourselves, not just on the outside, but all of you inside your heart, because that's where the wars are waging. That's where it all starts. Humble your heart before God. Acknowledge that you can't do it all by yourself. Do that and he will lift you up because you're taking those, those steps. <clears throat> At the end of it all, it really comes down to seeing how submission isn't about doing certain things, but about doing what's most important. And what I mean by this, I learned a valuable lesson this week. I was reminded of a valuable lesson this week of how exactly it is that we fight our battles. How do we fight this war that's raging within? How do you fight the war that's raging within for your heart that's going on right now? And we can't control what's going on around us. We can't even control what's really happening physically. But there are certain ways for us to speak into what's going on into our situations into today. And what do I mean by this? And I really believe it's through worship. That is when we praise and it was when we worship, we're calling back, we're calling God back into our heart and declaring to ourselves, this is who we belong to. We worship our way through darkness. Before this unity happens in the church, before we have a war with God, we first worship and take care of the war that's going on inside of us. We worship our way through the darkness. When the waves are high and the storms are raging all around us, we worship. How do you cast your cares upon Jesus? We worship. How do we pray? We worship. How do we come together? Why do we come together in fellowship? It's because we worship the God. We're all pointing our hearts and ourselves towards this Jesus. And I was felt my soul needing that this, this week where when I was leaving the COVID testing site and my heart was heavy, I was thinking at that moment, what if I am positive? And later I find out I am positive. Do I even want to go home right now? That's what was going on inside of me. Do I even want to expose Jess and Ryan uh, a little bit more to this, even though Cohen's already at home? And I started thinking, God, are you in control? Are you looking after us? Are you really there? Why is this happening? God, what are you saying? And in that moment, in the battle for my heart, when I felt the doubt being the strongest and the loudest, I heard the song come up inside of my heart that I will raise a hallelujah. I will raise a hallelujah no matter what happens in my body, no matter what breath I have in my lungs, I will raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah, the God you will be praised no matter what. So I kept singing as I was driving all the way home and the next, and, and through that night, even though I was wrestling, even though I was waiting on the news, I kept saying, I will sing a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. 
over my enemies, over whatever it is that I'm, go that, that I'm going through. When I got the news in the text that you're positive COVID-19, I was kicking into panic mode of separating myself with the rest of the family. I will raise a hallelujah. I will worship God. I will praise him no matter what happens. And I just kept singing, just kept worshiping because as we worship, we worship a God that knows what's going through. And as we worship, we worship our way through the valley. We worship our way through the darkness because in the moment of worship, in the moment as you worship, you're declaring to the enemy, you will not have my heart. You will not take me and everything that I have because I belong to God. You will not allow the situation to cause doubt and disbelief. You will not use this moment to cause a rift within our family. See, it might not change the situation around as I'm walking away. It might not change the problem that you're working on right now. Your body might still be failing and you're still waiting for your healing. It might not have changed anything on the outside, but on the inside, it changed everything. Words have a way of working its way into us. And just like how God spoke the universe into being in those moments, he gave me a fresh breath and spoke life back into me. Just like how he spoke and called Lazarus back to life, he spoke to my heart and to my soul saying that you're going to have life. You're not going to let this take it away because I'm way stronger than whatever it is that you're going through. And there is this indescribable, immense peace inside that can only be given by God that nothing else in this world can buy. And that is really the simple message I have is that do you have that peace? Do you want that peace? Because I just... I'm experiencing that right now. And I'm saying, guys, even though the pain is real and the suffering is real, the sickness is real, very real. God is good. That God is worth worshiping. That God is still Lord. And when we put Jesus rightfully in the place where he deserves, everything else falls into place. And this is why I'm here this morning to remind us of this hope that before we even get to the point of church disunity, may we know that we have this war with God and may we know even more that there's this war raging on inside of your heart. So how are you guarding your heart? How are you taking care of your heart? How are you allowing God to reign in, in you? What are you doing uh, to, to allow God to speak to you in, in the everyday? Because as I mentioned before, I could have taken a break and I could have sat out and nothing would have been wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with resting. And our leadership was trying to encourage me to step up, but I felt this message to call my being and my soul that it had to be proclaimed that every breath that I get is a gift. And every breath that I have, I'll give it back. No matter how many breaths that I have left, no matter how many breaths that we have left. To be honest with you, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than proclaiming the name of Jesus this morning with you. That this is my call. This is my vocation. And you have one too. You have a vocation. You have a purpose. You have a reason for your being. And God has a reason for why you're alive and why you're walking around here on earth. So whatever war is going on inside of you right now, I just want to say to you that God can handle it. That God knows that God can overcome because God has already overcome. That God has already died on the cross for your shame. He's already died on the cross for your guilt. 
has already died on the cross for your pain and your suffering. He's already died to set you free. And those that are free are free indeed. So we are called to worship in that freedom. We're called to dance in that freedom. We're called to proclaim his name in that freedom, even though life is not good, even though life is not going well, because that's where authenticity between each other starts. And letting all of us know that our heart is really what matters, not so much on what's on the surface, no matter how much we can decorate it, it's really what's going on inside of our hearts that matters the most. And I wanna tell you this morning, church, that God has already overcome and that he's with you, that he loves you, and he's ready to walk with you again. So continue the good fight, continue the good walk, and continue to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for your good word. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we get, for the technology that we have, that no matter what it is, how far we might be physically separated, that you are still with us. God, thank you for your love that conquers all fear. Father, I pray for all of us that may be going through things in life right now, whatever fear, whatever doubt, whatever disbelief, whatever it is that's going on in our heart, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would guard us, that you would take out any ounce, Lord, that's not from you inside of us and replace it with your Holy Spirit. And because we long to be with you, and just as much as you long, uh, you long for us, you long even more to be with us, God. So, Father, may we be a people of your word. May we be a people that longs for your presence. And may you protect your church. May you protect your people from now and every day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.